Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger. And today I am joined by Coach Lee Marie. How are you doing, Lee? Hi, I'm doing good. Good to be so back. So today we're going to talk about show path. And I think it's very important to do that at the end of the show season for next year. If you didn't catch our last episode, we talked about goal setting and also how to do that and form habits. So I feel like it's important to kind of segue into this show with specifically, you know, we're going to talk about different groups of populations that are living out the prep life. So whether you are a first-time competitor or you are a veteran competitor, we're going to kind of talk about all the things when it comes to planning a show path for the upcoming year in 2024. Um, Any thoughts on any of that before I get started on kind of the list that's coming up? Um, Lee Marie. Um, I mean, I definitely think that it's really cool to talk to or to, you know, talk to your coach or if your coach, talk to your athletes about specific shows, um, prep plans, things like that before the new year, because it's just super motivating, even if you're headed into an improvement season or an off season to know kind of, I mean, obviously plans can change things like that, but if you kind of know when your prep is going to start, you're, you're already feeling the urgency of, I need to make the most of this improvement season, which I think is really helpful to not just kind of get lost in a quote unquote off season, but to to take to be intentional with an improvement season and to have those goals in place at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, and I remember when I was first competing. I'm sure most of you listeners know that you know I did about 15 shows for about four years. Wow, not knowing a path to like that there was even a way to get a pro card or mm-hmm. how to get to a national show. I got nationally qualified like I think 15 times. If wow. I'm not mistaken. Um, so in both figure and in bikini, um, combined. So yeah, I just feel like I need to help people out with this stuff. So I was just talking with Lee Marie off air and kind of how, even just with these national shows, I had to kind of go to like seven or eight different places. I know where to go because I've been doing this for over a decade. So I know where the national shows are for the most part and like where the pro qualifiers are, but there's some that, you know, they change every year. So I kind of did some digging. So I wanted to share that with our audience just because it's not quite yet on the npcnewsonline.com website. Um, and usually they'll have that that list. So I just want to kind of educate people so they have an idea. So the NPC and the IFBB kind of take a break from, you know, now until basically like late February when the Arnold comes about. So with the Arnold Amateur, the wheelchair division, which I have a competitor doing that in bodybuilding this year, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm. That starts on the 29th. And then that's a Thursday of February. And then on that Friday, bikini wellness, all the, um, a lot of the women's division amateurs go, um, there in Columbus, Ohio. So that kind of kicks off the season for everybody. Uh, we'll probably have to do an episode, a preview, or like our predictions on the Arnold because that list just came out. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited, just as a side note, for Angelica Tashira to make her comeback after two kids. Uh, it's quite the lineup. So we'll have to maybe talk about that. But anyway, so the Columbus Arnold 
if you are international, you can do that show. Um, you don't have to be a United States citizen. It is awarded to the top three bikini competitors pro cards are. So you have to win classes, you know, A through H. And then in the overall, you have to have the top three there to get a pro card. And then from there, we kick things off in May and 17th and 18th in Charleston, South Carolina is Junior USA's. So that's kind of the first um, national show. So that's only open to U.S. competitors or, you know, if you are a green card holder now, you can actually compete there. Um, so that one, again, is the same situation as Arnold. So it's open to less people. Uh, but it is still the top three out of A through H in bikini. So there's only three pro cards awarded there. Mm -hmm. Junior Nationals is in Chattanooga. It used to historically be in um, Chicago. So it's in Tennessee now since Sandy Williamson runs it. And that is always Father's Day weekend. So this year it's the 21st and 22nd. And that one the pro card gets awarded to the first place winner of every height class. So a lot more pro cards are awarded there. And then universe is the first one where you get two pro cards awarded per height class in the open. So, you know, a through H there's two per, um, height class winner, first and second place in the open. And then also masters, there's less height splits, but in masters, if you win your class, you can get a pro card there in Teaneck, New Jersey. And then Masters Nationals is the third week of July. Historically this year, it's the 17th through the 20th. And it's always held in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And that's only open to Masters competitors. But again, it's the most opportunity for Masters. And we'll, we'll kind of get into those special populations later in the show. But this one is, you know, it's awarded to first place in every height of every age um, so, you know, they've got everything up to now. I think, I think they ha even have 60 plus. They added that this year and previously it's keep, they keep extending the ages. So the year before it was like 55. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot more opportunities there. And then if you are open competitor, USA is July 26th and 27th. So this one's moved around a little bit since COVID. So it used to always be in Vegas. And then a couple years in a row, it was in phoenix arizona so it's it still says on their website tba so i'm not quite sure but usually that one's in vegas um and then north americans is open to historically it was open to just north america now it's kind of like a worldwide event so any international competitor can come in for that one and that one is one card pro card per height class and open and then one per high class in masters. So, and that's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as well. And then the Olympia amateur is just a pro qualifier similar to the Arnold and like the Ben Weeder and the Olympia amateur is the same as the Arnold each year. They kind of change the requirements for both of those. Uh, sometimes, you know, in the past it was like, you didn't have to even do a show to qualify. And then now I think they're getting more strict where it's closer to a national show where you have to get nationally qualified. So you have to get first or second and a national qualifier to go to these where it used to be kind of open. Mm -hmm. um, that one. So, I mean, spoiler alert, we kind of know now that the Olympia for next year is um, that first week of October. So the amateur is on October 8th and 9th in Las Vegas. It's back to Las Vegas from 
the previous year was in Orlando and, you know, that weekend. So it's moved up a full month from this past year's um, in 2023 when it was November 5th. Uh, and then we have the Ben Weeder that is going to be the same weekend as it was this past year. Uh, it's still in Alexandria, Virginia. The amateurs go on the 15th of November and that one only awards two pro cards. So one in the open for the overall and then one for just the overall 35 and there's just two height classes A and B. So it's um, pretty low odds, but that one is drug tested and then masters USA's is the weekend before Thanksgiving. So November 23rd and 24th. This year, it's back in Anaheim, California. That's another one that originally was in Anaheim when I first did it. And then during COVID, it moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and now it's back in Anaheim again. Um, so that one is, uh, it has four card, pro cards awarded. So classes 35, 40, 40 plus, 45, and 50 a through H, they have to win the overall, so a pro card per age group. And then this past year, um, Nationals was in December on the 8th and 9th of December in Irving, Texas. And this was the first year that it was kind of in Dallas. So they have TBA on that date. Um, sorry, that was really long-winded. Lee Marie didn't get a word in edgewise, but <laughs> okay. um is there anything to add on that? I just wanted to inform everybody on the national show circuit oh, for really next good. year. Oh, that's good. That's really good. It's good to kind of plan out. As I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, ooh, ooh, I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like it's um, it's like event planning. You know, you want to make sure that you have everything set up so that things are realistic for that client so that they can have success. And there's a time and place for each you know, kind of notch in the sport. There's, mm -hmm. you know, different ways to go through things. So for me, um, you know, I, it depends on the person and where they're at, like in lots of different things, not just 100% their physique, but sometimes it can be like financially where they're at, like, are they in school? What, you know, are there busy seasons? Like if they're an accountant and, there's tax season, then we're going to avoid certain shows. There's different things that you want to kind of plan ahead and knowing this list, which we'll probably put this in the show notes so that people have it. I'm sure the NPC news online will have it soon, but, um, and you can also visit our, uh, I put it on the glam girl Instagram just so that people can kind of know like, and set out their year for 2024 so they can really get a plan. But we individualize these show paths with our clients based on these different things. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is just that weight loss client and they're very new to competing. They've never competed before. So obviously they're not going to be worrying about these national shows yet. Um, do you want to talk about just some, I know you have some brand new clients that we're kind of thinking about different things. Do you want to talk about some factors that go into that if someone needs to lose weight and they want to show path plan? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So I like to work backwards. I think you mentioned that too, but like we want to find um, what we do is kind of we guess with their category and their height class about the range of body weight that they want to be on stage. 
But then you also want to assess with their pictures. And then like if you can get like a body scan or something, like how much muscle mass they actually have. Because, I mean, we're physique competitors. So it's not exactly a weight loss contest versus it being the muscle building contest. You want to make sure that they have that base of muscle Or, you know, do they need to take an amount of time to just lose body weight and then we see where they're at with their muscle and then we might need to do a gaining phase or something like that. But if it seems like they have a pretty good base of muscle, um, then I kind of try and reverse engineer a show. So we kind of look at timeline. This is how much you probably need to lose. We need to factor it out so it's sustainable. You know, the healthy, sustainable weight loss, they say, is between one to two pounds a week. I like to go on the conservative side just with you know, stress and everything you want to get, make sure you give yourself enough time for that. So I think the first thing to do is to kind of look at shows, look at a timeline. Maybe you're not just looking at the timeline. Maybe you're not even looking at shows, but I do like to have a few shows in mind to kind of present to the, um, the, the client, because that's super motivating if they know that they have this show and that, they need to be on top of it if they're going to make it happen. So I think a big thing is just reverse engineering the timeline for a weight loss client for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And like you said, it's hard sometimes if they have a lot of weight loss to tell like what their structure looks like. But we always interview all of our clients ahead of time. We have them fill out a detailed intake form before the call. And then they also send us pictures so we can you know, for the most part, kind of tell like what kind of category they're falling into, like what their base of muscle is. But then we also ask, you know, deeper questions like, you know, what's your weightlifting history and things like that. So we know like, okay, yes, you have a foundation or no, you're a newbie to weightlifting in general. So how much time you're going to need. Again, it's very individualized, but I think with, with that too, um, you know, with new competitors, you have to also think about, I think it can be a lot like an overwhelming with finances and things. If there's a lot of variables like travel, um, such as like, you know, booking flights or, you know, setting up places that are like far away that are from maybe they want their loved ones to be at their first show. So I just think, you know, that's something too to play a factor is just thinking about, you know, what's economical. So if they have like a local show in their area, Mm -hmm. if they're just kind of like dipping their feet in this and they're not sure if they want to kind of do it long term. So I think those are two things that you have to really consider is like the financial side of it and then like the convenience side of it too for them if it's their first time. Yeah. Also, um, if it's their first time doing a show, sometimes this isn't it isn't possible financially, but I think it can be really beneficial for a really good first show experience if they're doing a show that I can be at as their coach or that, yeah. you know, I can have my coach at um, just because that first show experience 
if that's a positive experience, it's going to make such a big difference versus if you just don't feel supported, if you're super nervous, if you, I mean, if I have a client, I mean, I've had a client that did her first show and I coached her over Zoom and that's fine. Like we were communicating all day. We did Zoom calls throughout the day. We did check in everything. And I did my best to make sure she felt supported and everything. But I do know that it it makes for a really good experience if the coach can be there in person with their athlete and especially having that good first show experience can make or break whether you fall in love with the sport or not. Yeah. And we always try to do a spring team show and we try to get that information out as soon as possible. So I think I posted that with our competitors a long time ago. Um, We're doing it locally here in Kansas City. Uh, There's a drug tested event May 18th. And so people know in advance And a lot of people will fly in from everywhere. I mean, I've had shows where I have literally, you know, 14 different states represented because they want to be there as part of that. And I think when I talk to competitors that have done the remote and then they end up doing a team show after that, they're just like, man, this is such a difference. Um, Just because we really try to make them feel like queen for a day. We're really there every step of the way especially that first show, just like even checking in, you know, making sure they're in the right categories and making sure that, you know, they're tan, they're posing, all that stuff is kind of on point. Um, I just feel like it's really critical. So, you know, we do like a spring, a summer and a fall and we try to get that information out like right away so that, again, people can show plan for those first timers and people that maybe they're not a first timer, but they want to get in front of me or you and they want to be able to do that as a warm-up show so that you know at regional shows you don't always get the best feedback like from a judge's perspective but when you have your coach there they know you and when I can see somebody on stage it's funny because my some of my competitors kind of laugh they're like oh this is interesting they said exactly what you told me and I you know, I've been around the sport long enough. Like I kind of, sometimes that's even better than the judges feedback Mm because they don't always take notes and, and things like that. So Mm -hmm. if you can, you know, be in person, that would be great as well. Um, now if somebody is new to the sport and they need to gain a lot of muscle. Um, so in this circumstance, I ask them like what their background is and if they don't have like a sports background or, you know, weightlifting in general, they could grow muscle pretty fast. And, you know, six months to eight months could be a a great amount of time. I've seen competitors that had never lifted a weight. They start training they put on a significant amount of muscle because they really maximize those newbie gains uh, because I'm feeding them enough protein. They're doing the specific training that's great for like that bikini body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can think of somebody from last year that like she won an overall in uh, the novice category from our team that she had never lifted weights at the beginning of the year. She started in January and um, it's one of coach Brittany's clients. She, she won the novice overall and she, her body just transformed, but she didn't really change in weight the whole year. Her inches changed a ton because her composition changed so much, but she kind of was the same weight from the beginning to the end, but her body fat percentage was so different and her amount of muscle. So I think, you know, it's realistic to say like six months, um, 
to a year if they're going to be a newbie gain. What are your thoughts? Like if somebody kind of is a seasoned competitor and maybe they just, I mean, I guess you're kind of one of those people that you had been weight training, but doing it in a different type of style. Um, so what are your thoughts? Like if somebody needs to gain muscle and you're kind of setting out a show path for them? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it just is really important at the same time to like reverse engineer your, your show. And then also I've found like really beneficial to provide a lot of education because, um, females, especially we have a hard time mentally gaining weight and gaining muscle is gaining weight. <laughs> You're putting on size. And so, yes, of mm -hmm. course we want to do it in a slow um, way to minimize fat gain and maximize muscle gain. Um, so I mean, you, you want to make sure you have enough time to do that as well. You also want to make sure that you know how much cardio they're doing. I mean, sometimes women that are just think of themselves as fit are really mostly just doing cardio in the gym versus like actually intentionally mm -hmm. doing weight training or they're doing like a group fitness class like Orange Theory or something like that, which is, you know, a lot of cardio based, even though there are some weights in there. Um, so to just be aware of, hey, if you've been doing, you know, 45 minutes of cardio a day, that's got to be a factor. And you maybe don't want to start a 16 week prep if you're already doing that, you know, so um, mm -hmm. just getting all those details and then really educating them about intentional, like lifting and muscle, mind, muscle um, connection. And I know like if you're local, um, our glam girls that are local here can book the EMG testing with you, Amy. And that has been really helpful for me because I came from a strength-based, um, like I was a strength-based athlete. And so even though I could lift really heavy and had a good base of muscle and strength, um, finding out like specifically how to activate my glute muscles to build for bikini and to build that um, that shape that I needed was really beneficial for me. So, you know, if you have access to something like that, that can be really helpful too. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think about my, um, and she's been on this podcast before uh, I interviewed her, the sponsored athlete, um, Shara mm -hmm. or Shara. Um, she, she came to me just kind of under eating and she was doing quite a bit of cardio and she's pretty ectomorphic. And I remember we did a six month prep and just by like slowly pulling out her cardio, slowly feeding her up, giving her enough protein, you know, she was able to get nationally qualified in the open, um, at her first show. So I think just, it depends. It's person to person, but when you're setting out the show path, just kind of keep those things in mind and hopefully, if you, you know, hire a coach, they know what they're doing so they can guide you in the best way that you're going to be the most successful. Okay. So let's take another subset. So a regional show competitor and or nationally qualified. So they've done a couple of regional shows. They've gotten nationally qualified. They're wanting to do their first national show or pro qualifier. So things that we're looking for with show path there. I'm going to start just if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. So I try to give them a warm-up show uh, within like a four to max eight weeks. It can be a little bit of burnout if you don't really piggyback a warm-up and a national show. I do think it's important to run the warm-up. So, for example, we had a team show in Kentucky, and 
it was to warm up our athletes for the Ben Weeder natural drug test. So I think it was like four to six weeks prior to the Ben Weeder. And it was great for us to kind of run through, you know, posing hair, makeup, um, mm-hmm. peaking, especially if you've never done a peak for a national show versus a regional show. It's just a lot different. So the conditioning level is a lot more hard at a national level. So you really need to have like that warm up to kind of like move into that leanness and tightness of what you're going to actually do for nationals. And then it's a good opportunity to kind of get a little bit of feedback, get jitters out. Um, So anything within that range of window is I think really beneficial Um, unless they're very seasoned and they, um, you know, they've won overalls and things like that. That would be the only exception I would say like to not doing a warm up, but just trying to pair them close together in the calendar. So that person doesn't have an extended dieting period and get Mm -hmm. burnout Mm -hmm. is the main thing I would say. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that too. I love doing a warm up show. I think it's really beneficial. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very strategic to place them close together so that you're not, you don't, you do get that full break for your improvement season. So you have a little bit of flexibility, a little mm-hmm. more calories, a little more rest um, versus just dieting all the time and getting burned out. Definitely. Yeah. And then those veterans that like really want to go pro that aren't maybe necessarily getting their feet up with a national show, but they've maybe done some or placed at a national level and they're just trying to go up to that next level as a pro. I would say for them, you have to really be strategic about, you know, location, um, time of year, how everything lines up. It's very much a kind of like puzzle that you've got to put together Mm -hmm. because you really want the timing to be right. And I always say like, it's good to have a plan A and a plan B. So, you know, pick the show that has the best odds for that athlete to go pro, um, whether that be age, height, um, you know, pro card opportunities. So like we talked about in the beginning of the show, you know, some only give it to the top three overall, and then some give it to, you know, the top two and, um, NPC nationals gives it to the top two and open. I forgot to mention that. So there's more pro cards there. Um, But those are things that you have to, you have to think about the most advantageous position you can put that athlete in because nationals are really expensive. So it can become very costly. So if you can find two that are kind of close together, and I'll talk about this later when we talk about masters, especially um, there's like only certain times of the year that sometimes the athletes can compete with the best odds. So it's just really important to be, to look at the calendar, look at your personal calendar and see how those can line up so that, you know, if you go pro at that first option, option A, the best option, then you can kind of look, okay, where, where does a pro debut land like within a month after that? Or what could be plan B if we like, you know, maybe hit second place Mm -hmm. when it's a, first place, you know, you're right there. You want to have another option. You don't want to put like all your eggs in one basket and say like, okay, I'm going to do NPC nationals. And then when that one's done, you really don't have another show that even gives you a first place pro card until June. Right. Mm. So, so thoughts on that, anything to add? No, I think you covered it pretty good. That's really good. I love the idea of thinking strategically 
that and that is like what it takes when you start going towards that elite athlete goal I think um you know it's great to come up with a timeline it's great to have a goal to just get on stage just the first time you know to just prove to yourself that you can do it or to just try it if you're a weight loss client or if you need to gain muscle but then once you hit that more I'm focused I want to do this I want to go for the pro card being more strategic with you know checking out you know, what are the odds that I could make it at this show and, and, you know, who is judging this show and, and things of fitting into my budget and, and the, the goal of like your whole entire year or your season and things like that. I love that idea. Awesome. Yeah. And you just made me think of something. So I was just talking about with a competitor about how Becky, she's such a good judge about like, giving you specific, like really good feedback when it comes to mm-hmm. posing, but she really looks at posing, um, like pretty heavy in her criteria. So one thing that I did to prepare my athletes is just really hammered posing mm-hmm. before going to the Ben Weeder, um, mm-hmm. just to make sure that we're really prepared because she, she'll tell you like very specific things and it is great feedback, but she really pays attention when it comes to the posing. So you want to make sure you're on point with that. So something to keep in mind. Um, I don't know if you mind sharing your show path because I think it's kind of a good example of like what we're kind of talking about here. Do you mind me yeah. kind of talking about that? For this coming year or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so Lee Marie is a good example of like last year, she just kind of wanted to get her feet wet. So she, we did North Americans um, and then after that, she was like, okay, I want to place. So we strategically put her, you know, because she's a nat- natural athlete. So we strategically put her in the Ben Weeder. She got sixth and open. And then this year, we, of course, did it again. And she improved her placing and got fifth in the open. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're a master's competitor. So um, we saw how her back-to-back peaks went really well. So um, – if you kind of paid attention to our November schedule, she has some growing to do. So it gives us a calendar year. But when we're looking at the schedule, you know, we're going to start off with her warm up as Ben Weeder. And then the next weekend is going to be Masters USA's. So that gives a perfect opportunity for a plan A and plan B. And then you just get tighter and better mm-hmm. as the sh- as you get into shows. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have a, a good feeling about that plan because uh, it gives you a full solid improvement season for a long time to grow Mm -hmm. and giving yourself enough time to cut so that you can do it in a way that's going to be like maintaining a lot of muscle. Absolutely. Yeah. I think both of those things are really, really important for me too. It's really important for me to have enough time so that I feel like I can get out of diet mode um, mm-hmm. and I can al- actually relax and allow myself to eat more food, to take time off of cardio, to really just focus on lifting heavy, but not feel behind and, and have enough time. Like my goal is to always have so much time in prep that I'm not feeling like I'm behind for the show. Um, yeah. so I think every year that we've competed together, every season we've done, we've gotten a little bit better. And my goal for this coming year is to be even more like even better. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We're going to get there. All right. So the next subset that I want to talk about is masters competitors and show path versus the open. So in the open, you have to realize that you really need to think about, first of all, what show did you get qualified at? 
if it was a show that you kind of just showed up and there weren't many competitors, very small show, you got to really think hard and long about the fact that are you actually ready? Um, now, I won't say that you have to get an overall or you have to win your class. Um, you can get second, but make sure that it's at a show that there's a, it's a big show with a good national judging panel. Um, I specifically around this area go to the NPC Midwest shows because I know that those are national panel judges and you have to get your critique has to be from a national panel judge because they're judging you on the criteria that is expected at the national level. Some of these regional shows, you know, not to throw anybody under the bus, but it's just, it's inconsistent if they're first time judges that they're just getting their feet wet and that's no one's fault, but just the fact that like some remote areas just don't have as many people that, you know, are seasoned or if it's like a new promoter, they just can't fund having a big judge come in. So think about that first and foremost. So just because you're nationally qualified does not mean you're ready for nationals. Um, hopefully you have a good coach that will kind of give you guidance in that area and allow you to know like, hey, I am ready for this because it's a lot of money to just go just to go and get last call out and, mm -hmm. you know, look like you don't belong there. So that's my first advice for open competitors. For master's competitors, if you are enhanced, then I would suggest, you know, starting things off with universe and like master's nationals because they're about three weeks apart. You know, you've got 4th of July and then th the third week of July is master's nationals. There's really good odds at master master's nationals. Um, so, you know, universe could be a good warm up or, you know, maybe you do go pro there. Um, you could always pair together Masters, Nationals, and then um, North Americans because they also have Masters. And then that's like a six-week. So Masters, Nationals is the last week of August. So it's still within my rules. Um, sometimes people, if they try to do Universe and North Americans, it's too – whoops, sorry, I hit my microphone. Um, it's almost too long. Some people I've noticed get burnt out. So mm – -hmm. I think pairing two of those together, book, but not book ending them. Those are like the the ones that are great for for masters. If you like are not a natural athlete, um, in terms of like the best odds for you as a masters competitor, mm -hmm. and then you can always try masters USAs. Um, you know that one you can be enhanced as well. Like it doesn't you don't have to be drug tested, but. Um, Again, it's hard to like have really far spread out preps and not get burnt out or not have a true improvement season and a true like you were talking about healing your body from the adaptations, allowing yourself actual time to grow in a maintenance or slight mm -hmm. surplus, like a lean gain phase and then a dieting phase and having those be like two separate things. So anything to add on either one of those or any thoughts that you had that popped up? Yeah. So I just have like an observation or maybe kind of a question or a, mm -hmm. give me advice as a seasoned coach on the master's um, competition like strategy. So let's say you're master's, you're going to compete in master's and that's the only thing you're going to compete in. What I noticed, which I just didn't think about it before, was when I competed at Ben Weeder, which is just a regular show that has master's 
um, as a class, there mm-hmm. were only two high classes, which meant that the classes were huge. Yes. For so for my master's, like in each one, like for mine for 35 plus, there was only A and B versus in the open, there was several. I think I was in class, what was it, H or something? So F. my class was smaller, F it was there. pretty big. Um F, okay. Um, but versus doing a show, would it be better strategically to do just a show that is masters, like Masters USA, Masters National, something like that, because they would have more height classes possibly? Or is that kind of standard or was that just something with the Ben Weeder where they only had a couple of classes or is that kind of standard at a regular show that has open classes and master's classes that it's going to be bigger classes, more competitive? Yeah. Anytime you go to national show. Now, I would say the Ben Weeder, because it is drug tested, was pretty small. I mean, it's not considered a national show. It's a pro qualifier. So it was originally in Canada. So it goes and we'll, our last bullet point is like the NPC worldwide. So it's part of the NPC worldwide. So is the Olympia amateur. So is like the Arnold. Those are, you know, where you win an overall. Um, so the Ben Weeder is the only one that has a, a master's here in the U S like for a pro okay. qualifier. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of digressing. So your original question was, are those classes big? Absolutely. Masters is the biggest population that's growing in the sport of bodybuilding. And you will find that you'll have 30 plus people in each height class. So for example, in my 35 H class, I had like 33 people at masters nationals like two years ago, it continues to grow. So if you look at North Americans, like these past couple of years, the open class is getting smaller, just I think because of inflation getting on the financial side of things. Whereas people that are masters are more established in their careers. They have more disposable income. So you'll notice like at North Americans, there's huge classes in the masters and those go like A through F and they're broken down, you know, 35, 40, um, I believe 45, 50. Um, So you've got a lot of splits, but there's just a lot of people going there. So even though the odds are better, those masters categories are getting huge. Mm-hmm. So you also have to think about those things as well. Um, so like, for example, universe, they only have A through D and 50, but then you go to master's nationals and they have like A through H and 50. Okay. So those are some other things too, to just think about like, mm-hmm. again, odds and splits, but um, anymore, just expect that you're going to have ginormous classes and masters. Um, all of the shows that I've been to, like, just for example, even just the Olympia amateur, there were some classes in the open that were, you know, less than 10, whereas mm. the master's class was like 30 something. It was the biggest class. Wow. So it's just trending that way, um, which is why, you know, for you, you know, knowing that you're a natural athlete is why I, I sent you to Ben Weeder, even though I knew like just because it was A and B does make for a bigger class still in like comparison it's smaller if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah totally. So again these are all just things like you learn as a coach like because i've been to all these national shows i've been to all these pro qualifiers you kind of see the trends and where the industry is going so some things to keep awareness of um when that comes to that so let's just our last class of people um so green card holders you non-us citizens i kind of talked about that 
um, with NPC worldwide competitors. So for example, if you take myself as an example, last year in Rome, I did the European masters and that one, it was a through H 35, 40, and then I think 50. Um, but again, it was like the overall. So a through H, um, so I got second, so I wasn't in the overall, but the pro card, the one pro card went through eight, a through H and that's pretty typical. Um, like with a lot of these European and like South America, Asia, all these Olympia amateurs that are in different parts of the country and, and the Arnold's as well, it's like the overall, and it's usually the top, you know, depending on how big this show is, like the, the top winner or the top three is like the max that they give and open. Um, but I, the only international masters ones that I know of, like as of this last year are in Europe. So it was in Rome in 2022. That was the first year they had done it. And then they had masters Brazil, like hmm. a couple weeks before the, or a couple years before that one came about. And um, that one again is a similar situation where it's like an overall thing. But um, I was just talking to my, so I have a client that's, a Japanese citizen and a green card holder here in the United States. So just in the last couple of years, she's been able to do these national shows, but that rule has just changed. And so she would, when she was training with me originally, you know, we only had the options and she's masters and she's really good. Um, but for like several years, we only had like a couple of shows that she could have done and she would have had to do the open. Mm -hmm. Um, now a lot of that's opened up um, and we're actually looking at a Japan masters um, for her. That's just brand new this year. So you kind of just have to stay up with it. It's constantly changing, um, constantly evolving. But if you have a good coach that is educated in this, there's a lot of nuance to it. So I hate to get so much in the weeds. Sorry if I've bored anyone. I'm kind of like a nerd it. about this kind of stuff. Because um, I just feel like none of this podcast. information. <laughs> we're all nerds listening to this podcast. <laughs> I just feel like this information isn't like super well known. And when I first started out, that was one of my biggest pain points. And one of the biggest drivers for me as a coach is just like, because my path was so hard, like mm -hmm. I had to really research on my own and like really dive deep to like find these answers. So I just feel like it's important for me to pay it forward to the industry, like with people to give them the fastest path possible to like find that success and what they want with their goal. And if you have all this knowledge based in your brain, then you can like really like dive deep into like what's going to be best for that client and where they can go. So hopefully those of you listening, if you have, you know, any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram. Um, my personal one is Amy Anger and that's spelled A-M-Y-E-H-I-N-G-E-R. So if there's some weird rule, I, if I don't know the answer, I'll, I'll look for it and I'll try to find it for you. But, um, but yeah, any thoughts to close out this episode? Any I love that. Questions? I, this is, I mean, just going back to when I started listening to this podcast, it was because, um, because of the fact that, I mean, you're a nerd and you know, all the nerdy stuff about, about bikini. And I was just like, wow, I want to learn everything about if I'm going to do something, I want to know everything about it. And so that's why I love 
this podcast and you sharing your wealth of knowledge and the little nerdy things and all the things that you wouldn't think of when you're first starting out. Uh, I think it's great. And I'll put your Instagram handle too in the description. We will put that in the description. Um, If you have any questions for Amy or for any of us coaches, or you have a topic where you're like, tell us more about this, like go ahead and reach out to us too. Um, in yeah. the in the comments. Yeah. I never know how much detail I should really go into, but I just, I feel like these things are more and more people are really trying to, the more we find out about the sport, like the more people really want to go pro and, mm-hmm. um, find out the best ways for them and what's the best path for them. It's very individualized. So again, it's probably, you know, hard to just kind of say like, okay, this is what everyone should do because there's so many variables, but yeah, hopefully that helped and shed a little bit of light onto um, what's best for your show path in 2024. And um, you can feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at prep life podcast or at glam girl bikini as well. You can feel free to shoot us a DM. Feel free to tag us on your story. If you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to leave a rating or review and I would be remiss if I didn't mention our deals that we have going on right now. We have VIP packages that are lower than standard rate packages right now, which if you don't know what our VIP includes, it includes a as-needed accountability call and posing for your competitions. So they're at the lowest prices they've ever been. And they are good until December 31st. So Lee Marie will be putting that link in the show notes if you would like to, you know, get on that so that you can plan your shows for 2024. We would love to have you. And you can find us at glamgirlbikini.com um, and just hit the get started button, hit that intake form, and we'll be glad to set up a consultation. So with that, this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my co-host, Lee Marie Hostetter. Thanks for listening, guys.